omnis gloria eius filie regis ab intus. All the glory of the daughter of the king is within. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. <coughs> By a wonderful biblical and liturgical intuition, today's feast of the most pure heart of Mary, also known in the past as the Sacred Heart of Mary, as the Holy Heart of Mary, as the Immaculate Heart of Mary, and as the Admirable Heart of Mary. Uh, today's feast was fixed on this second to the last day within the octave of the Feast of the Purification. The significance of the feast being kept today is that it places it in relationship with the mysterious prophecy of Simeon, which prophecy we heard on Candlemas, the Feast of the Purification, February 2nd. And a sword of sorrow shall pierce thy own soul. In some way, we are to live this octave of the purification of the Blessed Virgin Mary very close to her sorrowful and immaculate heart, which heart is depicted, of course, in the image of Our Lady in the outside part of the oratory. How would the liturgy have us enter into the mystery of today's feast of the most pure heart of Mary. For this we have only to listen with the ear of our own hearts <coughs> to the texts given us in today's divine office on the one hand and in today's holy mass on the other. The intro it was taken from Psalm 44, which psalm is often used for feasts of the Blessed Virgin Mary. But in choosing a particular verse, the Church calls our attention to a certain aspect of today's mystery. Omnis gloria eus filie regis, regis ab intus. All the glory of the daughter of the king is within. The suggestion is, of course, within the heart of Mary. The heart of Mary is the sanctuary, the temple of the glory of God. The introit in the verse allows Our Lady herself to speak, or better yet, to sing. And what does she sing in the verse of the introit? Eruptavit corveum verbum bonum, which has been variously translated as 
my heart overflows with a goodly word. <coughs> the Latin text has eruptavi cormeum verbum bonum, which, of course, one accustomed to praying with the liturgy and through the liturgy will immediately link to that word of Our Lady addressed to the angel at Nazareth, fiat mihi secundum verbum tuum. Every word that comes forth from the Immaculate Heart of Mary reveals the Word. The Word with a capital W. Mary's whole being magnifies, makes bigger, the Word. And she says, Digo ego opera mea regi. I speak my works unto the king. This has often been taken as a reference to Our Lady's great canticle of praise, her Magnificat. The lesson is taken from the Song of Songs, and this particular fragment of chapter 8 is chosen for the first line. Pone me ut signaculum super cortuum. Place me as a seal upon thy heart. In antiquity, a seal, often of wax, was placed on a vessel containing a precious perfume to prevent the fragrance from escaping. Our Lady's heart is sealed, and within she holds all the fragrance of the divinity. It's an extraordinary image. Pone meut siniaculum super cortum. We might translate it as, as uh, keep thy heart altogether for me and for me alone. The sense here is not only of the heart, kept for God alone, sealed for God alone. It's also that of the garden closed, of which we spoke this morning in chapter. The most pure heart of Mary is a garden enclosed in which God takes his delights. The gradual of today's Mass is noteworthy in that it juxtaposes two fragments of sacred scripture. This is yet another example of the marvelous freedom enjoyed by the Church in making use of various pieces and fragments of the Word of God, much in the same way as an artist making a mosaic makes use of the various tesserae, little 
fragments of glass and arranges them in such a way as to form a resplendent image. So too the Church very freely uh, uh, takes from sacred scripture various words, various elements, and arranges them artfully under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. So we have today, uh, from the Book of Wisdom, this uh, description of the Immaculate Heart of Mary as a spotless mirror of the image of God and the image of his goodness. The heart of Mary, a spotless mirror of the majesty of God. In some way, the logical conclusion of this is, if you would peer into the majesty of God, contemplate the Immaculate Heart of Mary. At the same time, the admirable heart of Mary is the image of the divine goodness. And this in more than one way, shaped, fashioned by the divine goodness, but also as the revelation of the goodness of God. The verse of the gradual follows the same logic as the introit. The antiphon uh, speaks of Mary in the introit and in the verse Our Lady herself speaks. Similarly, in the gradual, in the first part, uh, we sing of Mary, but in the verse of the gradual, Our Lady herself sings. And what does she sing? I belong to my beloved, and my beloved belongs to me. These words have often been used to describe what in art we call the pieta, the body of the victim Jesus, Mary's child, taken down from the cross and laid in her lap. I belong to my beloved, and my beloved belongs to me. The Alleluia verse is entirely Our Lady's, coming forth from her heart and in some way flowering on her lips. My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Saviour. Saint Bernardino, whom we listened to at Matins this morning, spoke of the seven utterances of Mary in the Gospels, and said that anyone who wishes to know the Immaculate Heart of Mary must listen to the utterances of her heart, those words of hers found in the Gospels, because uh, out of the abundance of the heart does the mouth speak. So if you would know what Our Lady holds in her most pure heart, listen to her words in the Gospels. And St. Bernardino makes the point of saying that um, the longest utterance of Our Lady in the Gospels is pure, undiluted praise of God. All of her other utterances are short and to the point. Only in the Magnificat, 
does she uh, in some way give uh, free expression to uh, her heart's desire to glorify, to praise, to thank, to extol, to magnify God. And so the musical treatment of the verse of the Alleluia is an illustration of this um, movement of the Immaculate Heart of Mary to, to pour itself out in praise of God. The Gospel was chosen for the last line of it. And his mother kept conservabat omnia verba hec in corde suo. And his mother kept all these words in her heart. The offertory antiphon comes as a bit of a surprise. It's taken from the book of Judith. Judith, of course, being a type and a figure of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And uh, Judith is celebrated uh, in this uh, fragment of uh, the book of Judith uh, as one who has acted manfully, viriliter, uh, with a strong heart. And the hand of God comforted her and she is blessed forever. Now, we have to look at this verse from the book of Judith and understand that in the mind of, well, in the liturgical mind, it is a reference to Our Lady standing at the foot of the cross, to the sorrowful heart of Mary. It is another expression of what we contemplate when we sing the Stabat Mater. This verse is only understood rightfully uh, in the shadow of the cross. And so it is suitable that this verse is given us at the offertory of the Mass when everything is made ready for the immolation of the Lamb. The communion is exquisite, taken from the Song of Songs and placed in the mouth of Our Lady, but also in the mouth of every one of us who today will receive Holy Communion. Sub umbra ilius quem desideraveram sedi, et fructus eius dulcis guturimeo. I have taken my place, or seated myself. The, the image is almost that of Mary of Bethany, sitting at the feet of our Lord, but also it is an image of Our Lady in the sweet repose of her glorious Assumption. It may also be understood to be uh, an image of Our Lady uh, during the years of our Lord's hidden life. So there is not just one application of this text, but many. Our Lady sits in the shadow 
of the one whom she has desired. Desire, of course, belongs to the language of love. And his food was sweet to my, to my taste, really. Uh, sweet to my mouth, uh, sweet in my throat is, is actually the sense of, of the text. Um, that we are given this particular verse at Holy Communion uh, makes it come to life. It is uh, the sweetness of the adorable body and blood of Christ in the mouth of the communicant, which sweetness Our Lady knew sacramentally, according to tradition. Uh, Our Lady would have received Holy Communion from the hands of her priest son, John. Blessed Anna Catherine Emmerich speaks of this mystery of the sacramental communions of Our Lady, something that perhaps we don't often consider enough. Not only her sacramental communions in the Cenacle, in the upper room, but also all of those communions received from the hand of St. John during the years of their hidden life together at Ephesus. We, for our part, take the communion antiphon and apply it to our own reception of the sweet body of Jesus today, but also, given that we shall have exposition of the Blessed Sacrament today and adoration of the Blessed Sacrament until nine o'clock, um, we are all given an opportunity to abide, to linger, to tarry uh, in the shadow of him whom we desire. So there's all of this in today's Mass of the Immaculate Heart of Mary and so much more. I can only point to certain things for you and I leave it to you to deepen um, the things uh, that I will have simply lifted from the text for you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.